0: Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that has hit the market and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Sabrina, who works in sales and business development across the Asia-Pacific. Hi, Nick. Welcome back to this episode. So what are some of the headline numbers and events that happened in the past month?
1: Thank you, Sabrina, and good morning, good afternoon and good evening to all of our loyal listeners and apologies for taking a few extra weeks to get this version of the podcast out. We've been inundated with conferences and various things, which is a good thing happening. Great to be seeing people at events and seminars. So yeah, we'll try and get back on track with our podcast um, cycle going forward, but look forward to the updating everybody today. So just a few highlights, I guess, um, Sabrina, for you and our listeners and everyone else. So I think there's been a lot more ongoing articles about you know, the GSSS or basically the sustainable finance markets have been under pressure from a bond perspective as the whole market is. These markets don't operate in isolation. I think the numbers are less impacted on the labelled side versus the broader market, but there's still pressure, right? So bonds, this is not meant to be a podcast talking about all of the market dynamics, so we won't go into that too much, but obviously pretty constrained and difficult times at the moment. I guess what that's practically meant for us and our business, a lot more on loans. So it's great to see a lot more linked loans, a lot more discussions around new loans, and refinancings, and adding in these sustainability components if the bond market is under pressure, and certainly a lot more different types of products and ideas that banks are working on. So that's probably the broader market sort of dynamics that are happening at the moment. If we look a little bit more closely at sort of third quarter, the use of process instruments are starting to have a bit of an uptick. So probably with a fair bit of scrutiny on linked formats has meant that maybe a couple more things happening in green and obviously the bond market's not fantastic. So we're looking at a smaller sort of sample size. So yeah, interesting dynamics um, there. A couple of other things that really jumped out, an article on biodiversity. There was an article from, on environmental finance from NatWest talking about biodiversity linked sovereign SLBs. Sovereigns are interesting because they often catalyse the market, use of proceeds. The Sovereign Club continues to grow. The SLB Sovereign Club continues to grow. And Sustainability recently worked with Uruguay. We worked on that, um, Sustainability Link Bond, and that actually had a conservation-based target. So a little bit tapping into that biodiversity team. And and let's see, as we're recording this, this is COP27 week. And I think biodiversity will be uh, partly a theme, even though there is a different set of COPs, I think, for later in the year, continuing the biodiversity discussion. So that was interesting to see, and even a couple of other articles from like HSBC about more corporates focusing on biodiversity. TNFD have updated their beta framework and updated framework, still grappling with how best to structure and sample and use and refer to specific KPIs, but the whole biodiversity, nature-based capital, nature type of thematics continues to grow and be considered more broadly from an investing perspective and then linking into sustainable finance, which I think is really good. There has been, as I just briefly mentioned before, more scrutiny on on SLB. So various articles about, you know, whether the step ups are large enough, whether they should be more nuanced, basically high yield versus lower yield versus investment grade. Sometimes is an issue we're getting the benefit of pricing dynamics versus the the actual hurt, so to speak, of not meeting a target and then the uptick, particularly on the bond side, I guess it continues to grow. And the the whole issue of, you know, sort of greenwashing, I think there's going to be more important market references that come out. So for those who aren't aware, the Financial Conduct Authority or the FCA in the UK, at least a couple of weeks ago, came out with a 200-page consultation about referencing some language and how to label certain funds. It'll be interesting to see how that feeds back into the labeled sort of bond and sustainable finance market whether we take on any of those newer sort of norms and I think there's other reference points that various ecosystem or market players or principal holders are sort of thinking about and coming out with which is good because we need these markets to be robust and the more guidance and best practice we have I think for the better so do look out for, uh, for that a couple of other thematics in terms of you know things like blue bonds, more and more talk of that, the SLBs on the potential on the, on the sovereign side, more topics in terms of that. In terms of banks looking at how they can fund SLL pools of loans via different types of you know maybe deposits or more bonds, Nordea raised something. I can't remember what it was called at the end of the day. We saw Bank of China raise a relinked bond a coupon and a bond linked to the outcomes on the underlying SLLs. It was funding. So more of these type of innovations we're we're seeing coming to to market and sort of an integration of of funding into pools of SLLs. So let's see how that develops. We've had quite a bunch of, which has been really good to see banks in Singapore coming out with what we call net zero sort of targets and guidance. So DBS was the first bank to come out with something. I'm normally based in Singapore, which I think everyone knows, I'm actually recording from sunny Hong Kong today. But anyway, back to the banks, UOB and also I think OCBC have also come out with guidance as to the sectors they're focusing on decarbonising. The banks have a huge amount of finance emissions and it's good to see banks having a more meat to the bones on those. Whether that then drives SLBs connected to bank-specific decarbonisation plans, I guess we'll wait and see. But really, really good signs in ASEAN where we're based. And we hope many more banks can keep coming out with financed emissions reports, what they're attacking, how they're attacking it, what sectors they're focusing on, et cetera, et cetera. That is that there. The CBI or our friends at CBI, the Climate Bond Initiative, have had a whole bunch of of reports. So we'd encourage everyone to check those out. Really high quality, very good references. They've come out with a couple of consultation papers on sustainability-linked bonds approach, on even an entity-based approach to signing something off more from a, a transition basis, a little bit similar to the SLB approach. So do check those out. They're chemicals and steel and I think cement as well in terms of harder to abate sector approaches for things like linked financing and also at least for um, use of proceeds. So do check those out and, and we're, we're, it's great to see more reference points coming out of the market. When an SLB is issued, what else can they reference in terms of robustness if it's a hard-to-abate sector on a transition plan? What else it can reference in terms of the approach to being in line with some sort of decarbonisation trajectory? And even a really new area of corporate-level certifications, that will be a very interesting area going forward and possibly linked to um, to equity at some point. So do check those out. So they're the highlights, Sabrina. As usual, a smaller and those were the key themes that jumped out to me over, over the last few weeks. So changing gears, what about SLVs? Sabrina, still plenty. Well, maybe not as quite as much going on, but what's yeah. uh, what have we seen on that side of things?
0: Yeah, as you've mentioned just now, the bond side, not a lot of volume this month. But then you actually have mentioned a few points just now, and I wanted to highlight this in this section as well. So let's start with Sovereign. So Uruguay actually has issued an SLB with two KBIs, and that SPO was actually provided by Sustainalytics. The first KPI that they have is on the percentage change in the aggregate GHG emissions per real GDP unit from the baseline year of 1990. And the second KPI is related to the conservation of nature areas in the country, on the percentage of maintenance of native forest areas. So it's actually quite interesting, this um, SPO that we have written, because Uruguay actually has provided two sets of SPTs for each KPIs. So they actually provided a normal SPT and also a stretched target. So do feel free to check out our second-party opinion on this SLB issuance. So the second SLB that I wanted to highlight is the Plastics product manufacturer Chi Mei that is based in Taiwan. So this SLB is considered as the first linked instrument that we've seen in Taiwan. And this SLB is linked to two KPIs specifically on scope one and scope two, greenhouse gas emission reduction, and the using of reclaimed water in their manufacturing plant. So these two KPIs are aligned with the path set by Chi Mei's SBTI. So we're quite happy to see that. In the land of Taiwan, there are more SLB issuances. And the last one that I wanted to highlight in this episode is on the German truck and rail brake manufacturer, nor Bremsey. So they have issued its maiden SLB with KPI linked to SBTI approved scope three greenhouse gas emissions target for its own value chain. So as you've mentioned in the last section, overall we see a reduction in the volume of bond issuances because of the interest rate hikes but we actually see some more issuances on the loan side so I'm just going to quickly walk through some of the SLL lendings we see this month as well. So let's start from where you based, Singapore. So Singapore raw materials and ingredient platform, Olam Food Ingredients, they have issued a US dollar $1,975 million dollar multi tranche SLL. So the KPIs and targets are not disclosed. Then we're moving on to the utility side, we're seeing two names. So the first one was in India, Tata Power has linked of not including setting up any new coal-based plants and also setting up two gigawatt of new renewable capacity per year. And the second utility company that we see this month was in the UK. Wells and West Utilities has signed an SL which is linked to three KPIs. One on the reduction in the amount of natural gas leakage from the gas network. Second one on the, an average of less than 10 hours of off gas per property if gas supplies to homes and businesses is interrupted in an unplanned way. And the final KPI is to improve customer satisfaction. So moving on to the property side, Hong Kong as, um, real asset manager ESR secured a Hong Kong dollar 4 billion SLL with KPIs not being disclosed as well. We also see on the telco side, Sweet, Swedish TMT named Talia, they signed an SLL with KPI linked to climate diversity and digital targets. So in Australia, we see packaging firm PACT. They have signed an SRL with three targets. One linking to the increase in the percentage of recycled content across the company's packaging portfolio. Second KPI on increasing the amount of recycled material processed and distributed to external markets. And the third one on reducing scope one and scope two emissions and also reducing gender pay gap within the company. And then moving on to Europe, we see Spanish airport, Aena. They have signed an SL with KPI linked to ANA's own MSCI ESG rating. So the final one that I wanted to highlight in the SLL space this month is on mining. So American mining giant Anglo-American is preparing to issue a sustainability-linked bond or loan either way after publishing its framework. So there are actually three KPIs in total, two of them being environmental KPIs, and one of them is a social KPI. One of the environmental KPIs is on reducing absolute scope one and scope two emissions, and the second environmental KPI is on reducing the extraction of natural water in water-stressed regions. And the social KPI that they have is to support five jobs offsite for every on-site roles that they support. So a brief comment on the SL lending side this month, it's actually quite exciting to see at least one hard to abate sector on mining that have set like e-targets. So hopefully we can see more companies in the hard to abate sector jumping into this SLL and SLB space. So as per our usual segment, we will answer questions from our listeners. So reminder to our podcast listeners, please feel free to write to us and send us your questions to podcast at Sustainalytics.com for any sustainable finance related questions. So Nick, this month, we have some interesting questions. So the first question is actually on fossil fuels. Would closing a coal plant be a valid use of proceeds?
1: Oh, that's a tricky one and a great question. So please to our listeners, keep on sending in the weird and wonderful and interesting questions. But to answer that directly, look, I think it'll be an area that's debated going forward. So we've noticed multilateral development banks such as the ADB, Asian Development Bank, pretty active in the region here, obviously in Asia with a bit of a program. I think it'll be difficult for external providers to sign off on that as a valid sort of use of proceeds if we're looking at closing something remediation type of work if the company's created a a bit of a problem or been heavily, heavily um, polluting. So I think the short answer is probably no for the time being. But let's see what happens as that debate grows. And possibly it's just an area where multilateral development banks are working with um, corporates and having some structured programs and agreements around that. But I think it creates some moral hazards or almost sort of types of bailouts if if. Um, Some of those companies are getting bailed out their assets. However, if they're stopping major sources of pollution, maybe there is some validity in there. So let's watch this space. But I think in the short term, that'd be hard to sign off. But let's see where that discussion grows about closing plants and who funds who and under what basis.
0: Mm, That's very interesting to know. Thanks, Nick. So the second question that we have from our listener is that what are the main ESG regulations that are impacting sustainable finance?
1: Yes, that's a really large and significant area. We could probably just do a podcast on regulations, but just a few things. Obviously, our listeners, or hopefully our listeners have seen various markets, um, Japan, India in particular, talking about regulating ESG rating providers, so I think that'll happen in some way or form. So obviously, the use of ratings, ESG scores, connect sustainable finance. Let's see how that develops. On the other side of or, or different areas of sustainable finance, I think it's areas like taxonomy development. I think it's also in areas of um, second-party opinion provision or providing. So for those aware of the specifics around the EU taxonomy, one of the areas of that was actually regulating external party providers that are providing opinions in that regard. So let's see how that develops. Maybe that's used as the blueprint for other markets. And then I guess we're seeing a bunch of, whilst not directly ESG regulations, let's just call them frameworks. So obviously TNFD, we talked about biodiversity before, the ongoing prevalence of TCFD, various investor fund regulations such as SFDR, and also just even things like supply chain regulations in places like Germany and others, I think is going to have an impact on companies focusing on those areas and then turning that focus and cost and efforts into how can we structure this into some of our financing, potentially for benefits and incentives. Um, so let's see how that goes. But I think the whole area of regulation as related to ratings, to opinions, and a whole bunch of frameworks plus taxonomies, a lot happening in this space. And that a little bit like the the closing the coal plants issues. Definitely watch this space because there's there's definitely more to come. So that's um, always a challenge answering these challenging questions. But we hope that gives our listeners a bit of a decent perspective on some of these trickier issues circling in the market. So why don't we change gears and, and jump to use the proceeds? So Sabrina, green bonds. Again, bond market under a bit of pressure, but what's actually happened and what have we seen over previous weeks?
0: Yeah. So if you've mentioned in the first section, actually in the green bond space, green actually continues to anchor the market. So let's start from sovereign. So we actually hear some noises from different sovereigns on issuing green bonds, such as New Zealand, Cyprus. Belgium, and India, they're planning to issue green bonds. What is worth highlighting is that the Ministry of National Development Planning of Indonesia is also ready to issue blue bonds to achieve its national marine target. So this month, we also see Italy, Federal Republic of Germany, and also a subsovereign in Japan, Hyogo Prefecture. These three sovereigns have issued green bonds in September. So we've also seen a lot of green bond issuance on the financial institution sides. So on the bank side, a huge list, but I'm just gonna mention some of the names here. So the International Development Association IDA has raised billion euros from a sustainability bond, which is a huge milestone for them because the total aggregate value of sustainability bond issuance for IDA has reached 20 billion US dollars to date. So other banks such as Spare Bank, Santander, ING, Sweet Bank, China Merchant Bank, and Xinhan Bank have also issued green bond in September. So moving on to different sectors, we see some property names, such as the global hospitality brand Voco and Benchmark Holdings have issued green this month. And on the chemical side, Swiss chemicals company Clarion has issued green. And on the utility side, we see a number of names located all around the world, like Singapore's National Water Agency, PUB, Eurogrid, Photon Energy, Capital Power, and Orsted. So, we also see various industries such as like renewables, transportation, railways issuing this month. So, what is worth highlighting is that on hard to abate sectors as well so boladin. Um, they focus on extracting and producing metals. And the green bond that they have raised this month will be used to expand of the older sink smelter in Norway. So what is worth highlighting of this particular smelter is that this is considered the world's most climate efficient sink smelter. So quite exciting to see um, these kind of financing in the green bond market. That's about it on the green bond side so what about on um, the loan side anything worth highlighting this month
1: yeah i guess there's a few points but just to pick up the array that you've sort of gone through before sabrina even though the market's under some pressure from the bond perspective that's quite an array of banks grids water and properties and hard to abate sectors and that's really healthy to see even in constrained market conditions and i guess we've somewhat seen a reasonable amount of diversification on the loan side, maybe not as much as the bond side. And I'll just pick up a few points, some of which feed through to the themes that Sabrina just walked us through. On the green loan side, we've seen some real estate, Canadex um, in Japan, obviously a big part of the market. Their renewables, TAGS, an Italian private equity firm, raising some capital for some renewables, some um, projects. We also saw Geely Automotive, um, based in China, and Sustainalytics worked on that one relating to electric vehicles, data centers, telcos, enabling IT continues to be a strong sector right across the green space bond and bonds and loans. And we saw SMBC close a deal for project financing approach for um, QTS Real, which we believe is is on the data center side. Japan, I mentioned before, but another one, Kajima, also sought a green loan in recent times. And then one more on the renewable energy side. So, again, probably renewables and and property continues to be the dominant share on the loan side, sprinkled with a few other areas. Yeah, and social. Sabrina, was there any time for the market to do some social, even though social use of proceeds being called out in isolation is not as big as it was? What did we see on that space?
0: On the social bonds and loan side, we've seen a couple, not a lot, just pure social bonds and loan. Usually, it's a mixture of green and social, but I think some of them are also worth highlighting. So Compartamos Banco, a microfinance bank in Mexico, the African Development Bank, and Sokjen raised a social bond this month. And Opal Healthcare in Australia also raised a social loan for Australian elderly healthcare. What I wanted to highlight in this segment is one of the second-party opinions that we have worked on, on a supply chain platform provider based in Hong Kong, SY Holding. They have published its social framework on its potential social issuance through account receivable factoring structure. So... This second-party opinion that we have provided has a very special structure, and we have learned a lot from this project that we have engaged with SY Holdings. So please feel free to reach out to any one of us from our team to understand more on the structuring of this particular framework. So that's about it on the social side. So... What about some label products? Do we see anything notable over the month?
1: Yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll comment on a few of those and then talk about transition and then wrap things up with a couple of points on, on regulation. But first of all, in terms of label products, I think it's kind of more of the same. So there's a little bit of innovation happening around forests, particularly helping protect forests in places like Indonesia. We'll see how those structures actually work out. So more talk of those. A lot more... Green business loans, I think ANZ launched something there, I think in New Zealand. Some interesting structures really evolving. I wouldn't necessarily call them labelled programs and banks, but things like climate to debt swaps, blended finance, all of these things are going to be discussed. And I think we're going to see a whole raft of, of newer types of instruments connected to particularly developing markets as COP27 kind of lands on a few of those different structures going forward in line with some just transition Thoughts. So let's let's wait and see what happens then, and then ongoing types of things around offsets and standards and carbon markets and and various things and products potentially connected to some of those. So lots and lots to watch this space in terms of specific transition transactions. That's a mouthful. Transition transactions. I'll have to um, get used to that tongue twister. (laughs) But if you look at the market, you know, really Japan is leading in that space. METI, which is a government department there, has a very clear set of roadmaps for key industries. They're really working and engaging in industry to have a set of showcase sort of transactions. And I think they're up to 10 plus now. So Japan's a good place to look for inspiration ideas, I guess, on transition. But I think the main key issue related to transition that we're going to see in coming weeks, so this is a bit more of a look forward, is definitely what happens in COP. Just transition, the social dimension to transition, the rich versus the poor, the developed versus the developing and the mechanisms to share funding, risk transfer, and the countries who've, let's just say, prospered before some of the others, that's going to be a really hot area that gets discussed in in COP and going forward. And we'll see how that underpins transition and people's willingness to use that as a label. I think we're finally at a market stage where some SLBs, not all, but some, and some linked loans, not all, get challenged for different things. We might see a bit of more done on a use of proceeds format, and that could translate into a few more transition deals. And companies have more specific CapEx plans on transition going forward. So let's see if that label hots up eventually. A lot of discussion around chemicals. So check out the Climate Bond Initiative paper on chemicals. It's a really good reference we mentioned earlier in the podcast. And then just more articles around just transition. And then a couple of things on nature-based solutions or the more engineered approach in terms of um, direct air capture. Let's see how all of those develop, but not a whole lot of specific transactions to mention this month so just really rounding off the podcast in terms of regulation again we could do a separate podcast on regulation taxonomies useful user ability of those regulations ratings, second party opinions all of those sorts of things but so probably a little bit more from a geographic spread here indonesia definitely on the way up the g20 as we're recording is just about to get underway um, or parts of it in bali in indonesia so the authorities, they're really pushing a big agenda there and lots of challenging sectors in Indonesia. I noticed one interesting article about Bhutan. I haven't been there in Asia. been to most other countries being carbon negative. So it'd be interesting to see if they do some more sustainable finance going forward. SGX and MAS have been very active continually on disclosure projects and impact metrics getting shared in a more centralized way so check out some of the recent things that they have done the Australian market continues to be very very active both for us and in in, in general in different types of formats which is great because Australia needs a lot of work and look to New Zealand for some inspiration there for sure Bangladesh there have been some interesting articles as well and obviously Bangladesh has significant issues around flooding and monsoons and you know, adaptation and resilience. And that'll really be a key theme that comes out of COP as well. So who knows whether there'll be more regulation type of activities connected to this whole resilience theme. So let's see how that goes. Korea continuing to work on, you know, another taxonomy, lots of articles about the SEC, lots of articles about ISSB in terms of, you know, also confirming scope three to be measured going forward and the, the platform for more, detailed fundamental corporate disclosures is, is really solidifying in a more consistent way across different frameworks and different regulators, which is good to see. So corporates will definitely have more to do in that area. China continues to grow in its green bonds and green activities. And as I mentioned before, India is pretty active in terms of some of the regulations it's coming up with. And we just saw news yesterday, a bit more clarity on its bond Sovereign Bond Green program that hit parts of the news. So, yeah, lots happening. Definitely it was a bit Asia-centric, but lots happening at least around uh, Asia. And that sort of concludes that last section for this podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time, bye.